Welcome back to the Der Show. Uh, President uh, Biden made a very good speech um, today in, in Buffalo, New York, when he spoke to a uh, largely uh, African-American audience mourning and grieving over the death of, of 10 innocent people who are uh, shopping in a supermarket trying to buy cupcakes for their uh, child's third birthday, trying to buy something to bring to a husband in a nursing home, uh, a brave a former police officer with a gun who tried to shoot the assailant but uh, was himself uh, uh, killed. Um, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy. And, and President Biden gave an absolutely uh, right, tone right um, speech to um, the grieving community. He went over the names of the people who were killed, uh, said a little bit about them, and uh, um, obviously appropriately condemned white supremacy, called it a poison, which it is, um, and condemned um, uh, the theory on which this um, uh, murderer, mass murderer, maybe terrorist, uh, depends how you define the term terrorism, um, uh, based his, uh, his actions, uh, the so-called replacement uh, theory. Uh, replacement theory uh, applies to... Uh, um, African-American people to uh, um, minority people from South America. It also applies to some white people. For example, you remember in Charlottesville, uh, a bunch of white bigots were chanting, Jews will not replace us. I mean, I look in a mirror, I, I see a, a white person, uh, no different uh, racially from, from any of them. And uh, the idea that Jews uh, who have been in America since its founding um, uh, will replace, who will they replace? Uh, uh, Americans, uh, the vast majority of Americans are descendants from, from immigrants. Um, immigrants made uh, this country every year. The New York Times uh, puts an ad of what immigrants have contributed to this country. Um, you know, they've cured diseases. They've uh, helped the economy. Immigrants of every background, of every racial uh, makeup. Uh, this country has been made of immigrants. Uh, Alexander Hamilton uh, was an immigrant. Um, uh, so many of our um, uh, founding fathers and uh, people who were instrumental in making America what it is were children of immigrants or grandchildren of immigrants. Uh, remember, the only non-immigrants in the United States are Native Americans. Um, and even they probably came from somewhere before walking over the Bering Strait, probably from, from Russia. Um, but we're a country of immigrants. And the idea that uh, uh, a new group of immigrants will replace the old group of immigrants, it's so, it's so ironic and it's so stupid too when you think about it. Some of these replacement theory extreme right-wingers uh, are saying we ought to bring white people in from Europe, from Scandinavia, from from uh, Finland, and from Sweden. Even President uh, Trump, uh, when he used that terrible word, uh, s-hole countries, we're talking about black countries, and, and he wanted to see more white people from a Northern European countries. Uh, hey, I got a secret for you Republicans. You know what would happen? If thousands and thousands of white people from Europe came to the United States, they'd vote socialist. They'd become part of the left. They would help defeat the Republican Party. You guys are shooting yourselves in the foot, you stupid idiots. 
What do you think you're going to do? It's probably much more likely if you bring people from parts of South America and Cuba and other such places that they're going to vote Republican, particularly if they come from regimes that were communist and, and were failed. Uh, so, you know, it's just bigotry. It's not even smart bigotry. It's dumb, dumb, dumb bigotry. Well, maybe that's a redundancy. Bigotry is dumb. Bigotry is stupid. And bigotry is un-American, and it's un-American not only because it's wrong, but because it hurts the country. It hurts the country. You know, in the 1910s and 20s, uh, we stopped uh, immigration of uh, many, many groups of Italian-Americans, of uh, Jewish-Americans, of uh, Americans from various parts of, of the world, people who have contributed enormously to this country. Um, and it was the shutting of the doors to Americans uh, under the administration of a Democrat, uh, Woodrow Wilson, that uh, led to the death of six million Jews. If, uh, if the gates of America had been as open in the 1910s as they were when my grandparents came in the first decade of the 20th century, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, of European Jews uh, would have taken advantage of the immigrant status uh, and open doors and come here and become Nobel Prize winners and professors and, and, and contributed greatly to the economy. The same is true of other groups, of Italian Americans, of Greek Americans, of Irish Americans, of, uh, and of African Americans. Uh, how, much has, how, how much have African Americans contributed to this country? Enormously, enormously, to every aspect of uh, American life and, and Asian Americans and uh, Latino Americans. Uh, it's impossible to imagine an America uh, without its immigrant uh, population, particularly if you define immigration broadly to include children of immigrants. Now you say, those were legal immigrants. I have a secret for you. Not all of my relatives who came over were legal immigrants. Uh, my grandfather uh, engaged in some illegality to help bring 29 members of uh, my family uh, out of uh, the, the former Czechoslovakia uh, to the United States, rescuing them from the Holocaust, giving them uh, fake affidavits and fake jobs um, uh, in order to save them. Um, and they weren't legal. They were probably illegal, but their lives were saved, and they have contributed enormously to this country. Um, one of them became the chairman of the uh, engineering department at Columbia University, another a prominent and distinguished uh, rabbi and other great physician. Um, so, you know, even, even illegal immigrants have contributed to this country. That doesn't mean I favor illegal immigration. I don't. I want to see a pathway to immigration for everybody, particularly for people who were born in this country and who have had children born to them in this country. But that's not what we're talking about today. We can have another program devoted to uh, immigration and uh, what the right approach to immigration is and what to do with the millions of people of, un of questionable status in the United States now who have been here for, for years, uh, who, uh, whose only language is English, who have gone through the American schools and who are as American as, as anybody else, what, what to do with them. Uh, hard, hard question. But I just want to praise uh, uh, President Biden. I don't always praise him, and he doesn't always uh, deliver uh, wonderful speeches, but this speech was really good. Um, he uh, he really hit the nail on the head, and he spoke to the community, a grieving community, in the way that the grieving community should have been spoken to. And uh, 
I, I just give him an A, an A plus for this. But there's always a but. It was too easy. It's too easy. It's too easy to go into a grieving community and to condemn the killer, to condemn the things that led him to kill, and to praise the victims. He should do it, and he did it. It's too easy. It's too easy. Now what he has to do, let some time pass, doesn't have to do it tomorrow. Now he has to go to Brooklyn, and he has to go to Los Angeles, and he has to talk to black community leaders and others in the black community and say, white supremacy is wrong. We all know that. Clap, 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 clap. But African Americans must stop talking about individuals, I'm not talking about any group, must stop attacking Asian Americans, must stop attacking Jewish Americans. Today, there has been black on Asian crime in Los Angeles and New York and other places, and black on Jewish crime in Los Angeles, New York, and other places. Now, that's going to take courage for the President of the United States to go to a community and look them in the eye and say, you heard what I said in Buffalo, now I'm going to say it to you. White supremacy is poison. Black supremacy is poison. Black prejudice is poison. Any prejudice is poison. Stop it. And black leaders take an important role in making sure that anybody who attacks an Asian or a Jew or anyone else based on racial considerations is appropriately brought to justice. Black racism is no better than white racism. And there's too much black racism against Asian people and against Jewish people, and that has to stop. And there are some that's just directed at, at white people. Now, you understand. People say, oh, my God, look what white people did. For example, I've heard that some of the justifications for the attacks by some black individuals, and again, I want to emphasize I'm talking about individuals, not a community. Individuals. Yes, the leaders of the community can have a role in making sure the individuals are held responsible. But some of those people are saying, well, you have to understand the attacks on Asians grew out of the COVID crisis, and it was an attempt to get even with the Chinese, the Chinese, for bringing us a horrible virus that killed so many people. No, you don't. You, it doesn't matter for this purposes, whether the fault was completely on the Chinese government. Let's assume for purposes of this discussion that the Chinese government deliberately suppressed the Wuhan virus. Let's assume they even created the virus to kill Americans. Let's assume all of that. It's not true. None of it's true. Let's assume that. Does that justify a black person in America attacking an Asian person who has nothing to do with anything that happened in China? You know, it reminds me when I was a kid. I went to Yitzchayim Yeshiva in Borough Park, and across the way was um, an Irish a Catholic uh, church. And some stupid kids, just individual kids, not the priests, not the leaders, but individual kids would yell at me, You kill Jesus! You kill Jesus! And my response was always, I have an alibi. I was at the movies that day. I had nothing to do with the killing of Jesus. Maybe some other person did, but don't blame me. 
for what happened 2,000 years ago, even if you believe the bigotry of part of the old, uh, part of the New Testament that does say the blood of uh, the Jews shall be, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Even the Vatican has pulled back on that now and uh, has said it isn't true. But, but even if it was true, even if it was true that 2,000 years ago, uh, the Sanhedrin had some role in the killing of Jesus. <laughs> Why do I get beat up for that? Why does a Chinese person who's lived his whole life in America, whose grandfather came to America uh, to help build the railroads, why? And he escaped China because he didn't like China. Why is he held responsible for what Chinese leaders did, um, you know, 100 years or 150 years later? There's a word for that. It's called bigotry. It's called racism. Blaming an entire race for the acts of any individual is racism. You don't blame the black community for what individual African Americans may or may not have done to individual Asian Americans or individual Jewish Americans. But you do blame the people who did it. And if you're the President of the United States, you go to those communities and you point your finger at the leaders and say, you've got to do more. You've got to do more. You've got to stop this. You have to condemn it. You have to make sure it doesn't happen. You have to make sure that Reverend Sharpton doesn't go into Harlem and say, Freddie, who owns a Jewish store, shouldn't be allowed to own a Jewish store um, in Harlem. He's a leader. He's responsible for his words. So, you know, it's so easy for the right to condemn the left, for the left to condemn the right. I was very critical of President Trump's failure in Charlottesville. Now, he did, you know, he, he didn't say that he supports supremacists or replacement people or neo-Nazi, did not say that. He condemned that. He went out of his way to condemn it. What he said was, there are good people on both sides of the issue of whether or not statues of Confederate leaders should come down. There are. Some of them are my relatives and friends who are very much against any kind of racial discrimination but don't want to see statues come down. That's a reasonable position uh, to take whichever side you may be on uh, on a broader issue. That's a reasonable position uh, to take. But my point is that if you're a person of the right, as President Trump was, you go out of your way to specially condemn the right, because they'll listen to you. If you're a person of the left, as President Joe Biden is, you go out of your way to condemn left-wing violence. For example, there's now some kind of a law being proposed by the squad in Congress, a group of bigoted anti-Semites running under the label of Democrats, that would basically attack the origins of Israel, saying it's the cause of the whole problem. President Biden has to attack that. That's racism. That's bigotry. That's a blood libel. And just because they're Democrats, no, I'll take that back, not just because they're Democrats, especially because they're Democrats, President Biden has an obligation to speak out against it. You cannot be a selective critic of bigotry. Bigotry from the right, bigotry from the left, they're both poison. Violence from the right, violence from the left, they're both poison. When people from Black Lives Matter went and trashed cars and, 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 and uh, buildings and even blocked access to uh, courthouses, you have to condemn that. You can't condemn only the other side of the political 
spectrum. It's too easy to do. Have courage. Have guts. Have chutzpah. And chutzpah requires that you speak to the people a truth they don't want to hear. If you're President Trump, you look at these people and you say, stop it. No more of this replacement theory. If you're a member of Congress who's a Republican, stop using the term replacement. If you're a television talk show host, stop using that. You know how it's being used by right-wingers. You know that it inspires people to commit violence like this horrible person who allegedly committed the mass killings in Buffalo. You know that. And it's you're responsible. Yeah, you have a First Amendment right to say it. Nazis have a First Amendment right to march through Skokie. I know I helped defend them. I helped support their right, or at least I opposed the power of the town of Skokie to prevent that from happening. Yeah, yeah, we all know that. We all know they have a right, and you have a right to say those things, but you shouldn't say them. You shouldn't be espousing replacement theory. You shouldn't be espousing that the uh, origin of Israel is the cause of the whole problem in the Middle East. I don't care if you're a bigot of the left or a bigot of the right. You're a bigot. You're a racist. You're an anti-Semite. You're anti-black. You're. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all condemnable. It's all wrong. It's all protected by the Constitution. Yeah, the Constitution protects hate speech. The Constitution protects racism. The Constitution protects bigotry. Not practicing it by keeping people out of stores or your homes, but advocating it. You can advocate bigotry. You can advocate racism. You shouldn't do it. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And the President of the United States should go out of his way as a person who is greatly admired by people on the left, by the squad, by people of color, go out of his way to condemn the bigotry of the left. That's more difficult. Chuck Schumer, standing by the president's side, claims he's Schumer, Shomer, Yisrael, the guard of Israel. When's the last time he condemned AOC for some of her anti-Semitic remarks or for joining together with uh, other anti-Semites who form, who form the squad? Um, the Democratic Party has a responsibility, just like the Republican Party does. The Republican Party has a responsibility in relation to Congresswoman Green to marginalize her, to oppose her. The Democratic Party has that same obligation with regard to the squad. Um, but they're not doing it. They're not satisfying their obligation. They're not satisfying and fulfilling their moral duty to be equally opposed to bigotry on all sides. This is a good opportunity, Mr. President. You did a very, very good thing going to Buffalo. Now do an equally good thing and go to Brooklyn. It's going to be harder. You're going to get a lot of pushback. Go to Los Angeles. Stand in a crowded area of uh, the African-American community and talk about anti-Asian bigotry. Or go to the Asian community and invite African-Americans to come and join with them in brotherhood and sisterhood instead of Doing the easy thing, not instead of, in addition to doing the easy thing. You've done the easy thing. I'm praising you for doing the easy thing. I think Americans should praise you for doing the easy thing. But recognize it's the, it's the easy thing. You haven't lost any votes by doing that. You haven't endangered your base by doing that. 
Read Profiles in Courage by, by John F. Kennedy, and you'll understand what it means to have courage. What it means is endangering your votes, endangering your base, endangering your future, doing the right thing because it's the right thing, not because you can. It's too easy. It's too easy. So I hope that the president who has done the right thing will continue to do the right thing and will go to Brooklyn and go to Los Angeles and go to other communities in which there has been black on Asian and black on Jewish crime and come out as strongly as possible against that, come out as strongly as possible against the squad's bigotry, anti-Semitism, and uh, racism. And uh, unless and until you do that, you're just a selective, a selective con condemner of, of uh, bigotry and racism, and there's no such thing. Uh, a racist is a racist, and a bigot is a bigot. Doesn't matter whether you're a bigot of the left or a bigot of the right. Before we get to letters, my sponsor, my great sponsor, do you own a small business and need help growing it? Then AnthemSoftware.com is your one-stop solution. Anthem Software helps small businesses all over America find, serve, and keep more customers' profitability. By providing world-class CRM software and results-focused marketing service, your business will not only grow but dominate in this highly competitive modern world. That's AnthemSoftware.com. Every business needs a song. Let AnthemSoftware.com help you sing yours. Visit AnthemSoftware.com to schedule your free demo of this amazing solution. So now, let's see what... The mailbag carries. One is a continuation of a question that my son Elon asked me yesterday um, on, on the air. Uh, it was about why there is no gun violence um, in Israel. Everybody in the army in Israel carries a gun, mostly semi-automatic weapons. So here's, so I answered. So here's the follow-up. Since you replied to my question on the air and even called it a good question, let me respond. True, they are soldiers. But it is also true that they are people, and they be, there may be crazy people among them. And believe me, there are. There have been some suicides and, and some domestic violence, obviously, some. Um, the set of values of the IDF does not exclude the availability of and the possibility that when opportunity arises, a person would go on a shooting spree. I asked you if you were missing something, and you are, namely the cultural aspects which is leading to these savage acts. No. Of course, every phenomenon must be considered in the background of society and the social values. And as I've said on the show before, Americans love guns. Um, it's interesting um, that in many other countries in the world, um, people wouldn't buy guns, wouldn't have guns, even if they had the right to, to do so. They just don't feel the necessity of having, of having a gun. Uh, but in America, a lot of people want to have guns. And, of course, we have a gun lobby, gun manufacturers who spend a fortune in promoting the gun uh, culture. And, um, yes, it's part of America. Violence is part of America. America has high crime rates involving knives, involving fisticuffs. Um, we generally are a society with lots of violence and lots of criminality, and it's getting it's getting worse because people are now so divided uh, politically, ideologically, and partisan grounds on 
racial grounds, on gender grounds. And when you have divisions of that kind, the inevitable result is going to be some violence. Let me be very clear. Up to now, up to now, in terms of mass shootings, the violence has come primarily from the extreme, extreme right, from racists, from white supremacists. There have been some from the left, obviously. Black Lives Matter, there was some violence connected to that. But the amount and the number of the killings of the kind that we saw in Pittsburgh and in Buffalo are primarily from white supremacists who uh, feed off the Internet. And, you know, it raises also the profound question of what can you can do on the Internet. Uh, how do you prevent? Uh, today there was a case argued in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals about the power of uh, Facebook to, um, to make decisions banning people at the request of the government. Is it state action? Isn't it state action? Is it a violation of the First Amendment? These are incredibly complicated and difficult uh, issues. Uh, I think the framers of the First Amendment would be turning over in their graves if they heard Facebook say, we're entitled to censor because of the First Amendment. Because of the First Amendment, we have the right to stop Americans from hearing entries into the marketplace of ideas. Uh, technically, they may have a point. But from a policy point of view, the idea that the First Amendment permits mega, mega platforms to censor seems a little, a little inconsistent with the policies behind the marketplace of ideas, which is the dominating force behind uh, the First Amendment, also the preclusion of government from weighing in on these kinds of issues. So complicated, complicated issues. I know a number of my letters have have condemned me for vacillating on the one hand, on the other hand. Life's complex. There are very few simple answers. And frankly, if there are simple answers, I'm not interested in them. Go elsewhere. You can get simple answers from simple-minded people, but don't expect simple answers from me. I see the world in a complex way. Somebody writes, Dershowitz wants to live in a Nazi country. Just look at he supports Ukraine. Right. I do support uh, Ukraine uh, against uh, uh, Russia. I also said... There have been some neo-Nazis in some of the battalions, one particular, that fought in, in Maripol, and that's not justifiable. But Ukraine is not a Nazi country. Um, its president is Jewish. Uh, he was elected democratically. Um, it's not a perfect democracy, but compared to Russia, it's, it's a lot better. So I will continue to support uh, Ukraine. I will not support everything done on behalf of Ukraine, firing opera singers, closing uh, concerts by Tchaikovsky, uh, boycotting Russian restaurants. No, I, I don't support any of that. But uh, I do support I do support Ukraine. One good question. One question from my producer, Sunny Lan. It's actually a comment. Comment. We all have one color, in, one color in common when we are bleeding. That's a good point, uh, and it, of course, comes from Shakespeare. The question is, we all have one color in common when we bleed, and uh, it comes from Shakespeare, from the Merchant of Venice, and Shylock says, if you prick us, do we not bleed? Talking about uh, Jews, uh, saying basically we're the same as you are. If you prick us, do we not bleed? So um, it's a good point, and it's a point that ought to always be remembered. Um, so a lot of letters about gun control... I assume you'll be calling on social workers instead of cops 
If a criminal comes after you, what nonsense. I support cops having guns. I'm not in favor of the English system, which until about 20 years ago, policemen just had batons. No, I want cops to have guns. I want them to have automatic weapons, semi-automatic weapons. I want our military to have bazookas and nuclear weapons. I just don't want criminals to have guns. I don't want 18-year-olds to have AR-15 automatic weapons. I do want policemen to have those weapons. So stop your nonsense about what I believe in terms of, of gun control. Okay. The biggest disinformation organization, this relates to a program last week about that Bureau of Disinformation, that Orwellian concept that is so stupid. The biggest disinformation organization in the world is the U.S. government. No, nah, no, nah, it doesn't compare to Russia. Um, remember weapons of mass destruction, Gaddafi's weapons of mass destruction. Gaddafi did have weapons of mass destruction, in fact. Uh, the Steele dossier, Pentagon Papers, yeah, what about the Pentagon Papers? They were, they were truthful. Um, Iran-Contra, COVID masks, hey, I wear COVID masks, and I urge others to wear uh, a COVID mask. That's not the information. Vaccines from Fauci, CDC, to name a few examples. You know, you've lost me. Uh, when you talk about uh, uh, weapons of mass destruction, you got a point. But then when you get to, um, to the White House and the CDC, there was a recent article uh, showing that Australia is very comparable to the United States in some ways. It's different in, in a lot of ways as well. But Australia has had a tiny fraction of COVID deaths and hospitalizations of the United States. Uh, and the largest reason, apparently, is because Australians willingly took the vaccine. They believed their uh, health people, and they took the vaccine. There were very few anti-vaxxers. Of course, you're going to have some in some countries. And people got vaccinated quickly. And as you know, the majority of people who have died from COVID have not been vaccinated. And so vaccines work, masks work, uh, and social distancing works, each to a different degree. Uh, and they have costs associated with them, closing businesses, I haven't eaten in an indoor restaurant for, I think, I don't know, a long time. I, I eat outdoors uh, or I eat at home. Uh, I'm 83 and a half years old. I take precautions. I don't want to get COVID. I believe the CDC. I don't believe that's dis disinformation. But the point you make is really very supportive, even though you're wrong about a lot of things, supportive of the First Amendment. The government should not be telling us what the truth is. The government should stay out of that issue. The government can advise, the government can provide information, but in the end, people have to decide based on the information that they believe, it's up to them, you have a right to be wrong, you have the right to make mistakes, and uh, the First Amendment uh, says no thumb on the scale by the government, no elbow on the scale, and no rear end on the scale. Uh, in, in Russia, there is no freedom of information. Uh, uh, Pravda uh, writes what Putin wants him to write. The New York Times does not write what Biden wants him to write. Uh, and we have an independent press. We have an independent media. We have independent social media. I wish they would censor less and leave more to the public. But don't tell me that uh, the biggest disinformation organization in the world is the United States government. Appreciate what we have here. We have the First Amendment. And that's an enormous value. Um, see you soon.
On holiday, there's nothing like doing nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight, so you can go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing for less. Expedia. Made to travel.